All right, hey, what's up, you guys? So today, um, I'm here to talk to you about reinforcement and observational learning. So um, my name is Josh, and uh, I've been taking a psychology class for about, um, I'd say, a good two months now. So it's safe to say that I am an expert on pretty much every topic that we talked about with my C grades. So um, today, well, I want to start out talking about reinforcement and how positive and negative reinforcement and punishment differ from people to people. So to give a basis of what everything is, um, reinforcement is to help increase or maintain behavior. And punishment is to decrease the behavior. So when I, when, when I, reinforcement would be like giving someone a cookie for doing the right thing or um, taking away a snack time because they didn't get their work done. So what I just did was give you two example, two examples, but they're both different. One's positive and one is negative. So what happens is, is in reinforcement and in punishment, you have positive and negative ways to go about it. So positive is adding a stimulus and negative is removing a stimulus. So you can have like a, a reinforcement that is to increase behavior and call it negative, but it's still reinforcement. So it's negative reinforcement. And you can also have positive punishment, which is adding something that you don't really like, you know what I'm saying? So punishment is to de decrease behavior. So if you add a displeasing stimulus to the person, like a, like a, a punishment, it would be a positive punishment, like if you got spanked. So for instance, when I was younger, I would get in trouble a lot because I would hit my sisters. I would um, lie to my parents a lot about like eating too much food, which probably explains why I looked like the way I did in elementary school. But um, I got a lot of positive punishment or I would get spanked a lot because they would be adding that negative they, no, I don't want to use the word negative they would be adding that undesirable stimulus and I would be in pain for doing something so then hopefully the next time I wouldn't do it that was that's the whole point is to decrease the behavior of me lying and being rude to my sisters so um I I often I I still got spanked all the way until like middle school because that was the only effective way to really get me to stop doing something. And it would be something different every time, but it would, it would work to use a spanking. Um, they would also remove pleasant stimuluses, so it would be negative punishment. So I didn't have a phone when I was younger. I wasn't allowed to have a phone. But I was allowed to have a DS. And I love that DS so much. I would play, I had so many Pokemon games, and it was just, it was the best. But I would get negative punishment when they t when I did something wrong and they took away my DS. They removed that pleasant stimulus from me that I normally had. And so therefore to get it back, I had to either do some, do the opposite of what I just did to or decrease that behavior of what they didn't want me to do or I had to make up for it by doing something super nice or 
appropriate, you know? So there's some debate among parents whether reinforcement to increase a behavior is better or, okay, there, there's more debate on whether reinforcement is better for people, for children to learn, or punishment. And most people my age have usually received positive or negative punishment. Usually reinforcement comes with doing special events. I, um, I recently auditioned for something called Honors Chorus, and it's the highest level of, it's the highest choral event that you can get from in, a, in high school. So auditioning for it, I got in. I was, I'm 13th in the state. And so with that, I got positive reinforcement. I got to eat out for dinner for working so hard. So the, reinf- the behavior that they wanted me to continue doing was rehearsing and studying and stuff. So it, it applied to my, my academics along with my arts. So because I got in, they gave me positive reinforcement and I was happier and more encouraged to do better. They also, negative reinforcement, they took away stuff that stressed me out. So to focus on the honors course auditions, they gave me, they took away my chores for about a week. I usually take out the trash and vacuum and I did not have to do that this time because I did not have to, I was supposed to focus on honors course more and also school and with all that going on, um, it was just, it was a lot better to not, it was better to not do the chores and to focus specifically on my arts and stuff and my school. So I think that personally punishment works in creating a better character for yourself. There's very few cases of people my age that received um, reinforcement to be disciplined. Most of my friends were hit or spanked or they were you had a spoon against their rear end because that was that's been one of the most effective ways to teach someone how to be a decent human being. And um, it takes a the, your child has to have a certain mentality and a certain mindset before a certain age because if you use stuff like I'm disappointed in you which would be um, well it would be something I'm not entirely sure which one it would be but if they say I'm disappointed in you it won't be as effective as spanking them for what they did wrong it would not, it would not work as much so for children I don't think the absolute best option would be negative reinforcement well, I'm also in the school play. I'm a lead right now. It's in Much Ado About Nothing. And I have a co-star lead. And his name is Nick. And he received positive and negative punishment for his line memorization. So he has been struggling to learn those lines. And so he received, he got told that he was messing up. He was like, it was to de- the punishment was to decrease his slacking off. He was not working as hard as he could be. And... A lot of, a lot of his um, a lot of the directors and teachers involved were telling him that they were t- giving him 
harsh wordings of things to describe how bad it is that he's not working hard to hopefully decrease the behavior. But it did not work at, at first. So then they took, they removed, they did um, negative punishment. That was positive punishment. But they were doing negative punishment by removing the time he got to talk to people. He wasn't, he was not to talk to people for a solid three days because he had to be memorizing during that time instead of talking to people. So that worked because he lost something that he enjoyed, but it was punishment. I think punishment for people in this kind of society works more. But I do think it depends on the person. Like uh, in course in general, not honors course, but in course, I don't like being, I don't like having positive reinforcement. I like, I like negative reinforcement, if that makes sense. I don't like being told I'm doing good. I like, I like getting the hard stuff taken away, like telling me what I need to stop so I can increase the behavior of singing well, if that makes sense. So that's all I kind of have to say about reinforcement. It's, it's a very good, um, Reinforcement and punishment are, are are specific to the person. Like I said, it takes a lot to um, truly teach someone, to parent some, a child. But I think that it just depends on what you think will work best. And it just is like a, it's like a trial and error. If punishment does not work as well, then reinforcement might be the option that you have. So the next topic I wanted to talk about was... Um, was observational learning. So observational learning is when an individual watches someone else and then mirrors them. So they have our brains have this thing called mirror neurons, which are a collection of neurons that fire when someone does the same movement as the individual. It's kind of like Simon says. So some, some simple ones that people have in real life are tying shoes. If you tie your shoes in front of someone and sh like show them the steps, they'll be able to mirror with you and then learn it. It'll, it'll be plastered in their mind more than just writing down the instructions and hoping for the best that they can figure out what to do from there. Also, another simple one, folding a piece of paper. So if you fold a paper in front of them, they can observe what you're doing and learn from that. And then they themselves can fold it perfectly fine. Now, some things that are not as simple as just folding paper and tying shoes are what your parents' relationship is with each other. So if you, this comes in with what they're going to expect relationships and what they're going to do in relationships, like romantic ones. So with um, most relationships, people would agree that you have to have trust and understanding, but if your parents cheated on each other if one cheated on the other if they're divorced because of that and they fight a lot you might take from that you might observe that that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to talk with other people while dating someone it's not exclusive and so that's not the norm for most people but it's something that you observed and thought well that's what my parents do so maybe this is what I should do so when it comes down to it you'll be when you get into your first relationship that's serious, you might flirt with other individuals. You might 
accidentally cheat on them or not accidentally, but you might cheat on them not knowing that it's something that is not socially acceptable to most people. So, and then at the same time, my parents have a great relationship. They have been married for 20 years. They're extremely happy with each other. They love each other very much and they're respectful. I've only ever seen them get in one fight and there was no hitting. There was no like bashing on each other. My dad just left to go to drive around because that cooled him down. And it was, it was scary for me then only because I never seen behavior like that. So I went into high school when my first relationship happened. I ended it very quickly because I realized that I wasn't having, I, I would not have a, it wasn't the same relationship with my parents. I'm not looking for the same relationship because I differ from them in certain ways. But I knew that there was, it wasn't a going to be a good relationship. So I ended it very quickly because I did not want to suffer. I thought it would be wrong to keep someone for a long time if they weren't the one, which is something that my parents taught me through how they talked about their past experiences. And so I observed that my parents had a good relationship. I noted what I liked about it and I noted what I did not like about it. And I applied it to my relationships, which made all the very few that I've had more successful. Another thing that you can learn from your parents is how to act when you're happy, sad, or angry. So when my, when my mom's angry, she does a little woohoo, very high pitched. I'm not going to do that now because it's very early in the morning and I don't want to jump scare you. But, um, but my dad curses a lot when he's very angry because he's just built up stress. He had a stressful job for a long time, so it, it, he couldn't take it out there because if he did, he would get fired. So the only other option he had at the time was to take it out at home. So he would take out his anger on us. And um, it was very, it was very frustrating because I was, I would see him so angry and upset and the yelling and screaming was just a lot. So I learned that when you, I observed that when you are angry and upset, regular vocabulary words are not strong enough to convey how upset you are or to make someone feel bad enough when you're angry. So in middle school, more eighth grade. I, that was when I started cursing a little bit more. I started using curse words in fights only because I was like, well, that's what my dad does. And that's what I need to do to get my point across that I'm upset. I'm frustrated. So I observed that. And then some people don't curse at all because their parents never cursed and they don't see it as useful. My mom never does not curse. And if I had had a uh, if I had had a dad that did not curse, I think that the likelihood of me cursing would have decreased. Granted, people nowadays in high school and middle school even curse a lot more than normal, and so it's not unheard of to be cursing. But it's just something that I observed and learned. So there's many things that you can do through observational learning as a child you're extremely susceptible to observational learning because that's what, that's all you have. Like if someone eats a food a certain way, you don't want to look silly to all the other spectators. So you're going to eat that food the same way. 
and it makes sense. It's not it's not absurd to think that someone would want to fit in. So when you observe what the population is doing, what the majority is doing, then that's when you want to that's when you would take observational learning and you would apply it to yourself. You would sit there and be like, all right, I'm going to tie my shoes like this because if I tie them like I have been, I'm going to get made fun of. Or I'm going to walk like this because if I walk super fast like I used to, then people are, are going to get angry with me because I'll be walking around. So that's just kind of what observational learning is. Anyway, I hope that you liked this podcast. If you have any questions, don't ask me because... I'm probably not the most qualified person. You can always ask my teacher, Mr. Rorda. Um, but yeah, I hope you liked this chill version of me. I usually am on the announcements, so I usually am very high energy. But podcasts are kind of relaxed. You're supposed to have a, a good, good time listening to it. So I hope you enjoyed my talk about reinforcement, punishment, and observational learning. And I hope you'll tune in next time for the next project.